Hello, everyone, and welcome to Crossing the LD, a show completely focused on veterans transitioning from military to civilian life. Our show is powered by Pivotal the Moments, a nonprofit on a mission to strengthen mental fitness for all. Go check them out at pivotalmoments.org to learn more. I'm Lee Elias, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend and co-host, Howie Cohen, and we are privileged today to have Colonel Mike Black with us. Colonel Black had an exceptional 26-year military career as an Air Force officer, which culminated with his assignment as the Deputy Commander and Commander of the White House Communications Agency, which we will call WACA for short today, from 2007 to 2011. WACA provides voice, video, and data communication services for, get this, the President of the United States, the Vice President, the First Lady, Senior White House staff, the National Security Council, the United States Secret Service, and other government organizations and agencies. Colonel Black served in WACA while supporting two different presidential administrations. Today, Mike serves as the Chief Operating Officer for Concise Network Solutions, a service-disabled veteran-owned small business that provides a range of telecommunications, infrastructure cabling, audiovisual, cyber, cloud, managed security, and network engineering design solutions and support. Mike, a big welcome to the show. Thank you for being here today. All right. Great. Thanks, uh, Lee and Howie. It's, uh, it's an honor to be here. And I, uh, that was a mouthful. I wonder who provided you that. <laughs> it was, but we got through it. I, I, I wanted to do it right. I hope I gave it justice. Uh, you know, uh, I, speaking of that, Mike, you know, first question, uh, your experiences at WACA, at the, the White House Communications Agency, sounds absolutely fascinating. Can, can you share some of the memorable experiences from your time at that assignment? Absolutely, uh, Lee. Well, first of all, um, the president uh, exercises his role as head of state, chief executive, and commander-in-chief, and the president, whoever that is, makes history every single day. And to be the, uh, the agency that uh, helps him do that uh, through providing assured communications was just an awesome, awesome experience. You know, a joint organization, 1,000-plus military, multi-service, um, and if you think about it, the president is the president, whether he's in the West Wing or whether he's getting the Nobel Peace Prize or whether he's at the Olympics or whether he's on, in Iraq or Afghanistan or some other uh, mission. We still had to provide that assured communications anytime, anywhere. And to be a part of that uh, with those awesome uh, soldiers, sailors, airmen, uh, coasties, uh, you know, it was just a, an amazing experience. Marines, uh, civilians, contractors, being able to provide that service and work with um, highly selective um, <clears throat> professionals, the best of the best that each service uh, has to offer was just an amazing experience and really was an honor uh, to be a part of that. But uh, if you think about it, uh, you know, Imagine being on a plane uh, and the president's getting ready to get the Nobel Peace Prize in, uh, in Norway, and you're a part of that, um, and your team is, is a part of delivering the communications uh, for that. You know, just an amazing experience. And then there's, you know, something each day that happens uh, with the president that, uh, that the WACA team is involved in. And um, a lot of stuff, a lot of professionals involved in making that happen, and it was just an amazing experience. I mean, I... I can think of uh, you know many things that I, I never would have got to do that I got to do uh, with being the, the commander of the, the White House Communications Agency. Um, and you know, I thank those that, uh, that paved the way, like Howie that was there before me um, and, and many others, and then those that have, that have followed me. Well, Mike, you did, a, you did an absolutely awesome job as the deputy and as, as the commander, and uh, we all applaud you for the, uh, the great traditions that you carried on and uh, the absolute exceptional communication support you provided to both the, the Bush and the Obama administrations. Uh, absolutely uh, exceptional job, well done. And, Mike, you currently serve as the, uh, the chief operating officer of Concise Network Solutions. And you've served in this position in, in two other companies. So how has your military experience prepared you to perform in, in these positions? That's a great question, Howie. Um, you know, uh, I have operations in my title as a chief operating officer. And the military uh, experience that I had, you know, if you count the, the four years at the Air Force Academy, I mean, that's 30 years of, of doing uh, operations, if you will. Um, getting a group of people together to achieve a common objective. And um, 
being a leader and being chosen to be a leader in the in the military to to do that that dovetailed nicely well uh, you know in my in my current position as chief operating officer um, basically being responsible for all of operations and in, in, in a couple of the companies that I was in everybody uh, worked for me except the the CEO and maybe the uh, the CFO and so I was really responsible for all of operations and that's much like a unit um, that you that you've commanded before whether it's in the Air Force at the squadron or group level or wing level or uh, army like you at the brigade level and higher uh, all of that experience in the in the military uh, directly resonated with my my leadership uh, in uh, concise and the other places I was at as a chief operating um, officer I like to say that I was in the leadership laboratory uh, for 30 years in the uh, in the military uh, being exposed to all kinds of experiences um, all kinds of challenges, um, you know, and increasing responsibility as I rose up in, in rank. But, but that leadership laboratory for, for 30 years uh, prepared me for, for what I'm doing uh, here in the, in the private sector. Lots of opportunities to, to practice um, and get better, lots of training um, along the way, um, and then most importantly, the people. Uh, that I had that were part of my team. I mean, that's where the rubber met, met the road is, is those people, those, uh, those outstanding um, enlisted and officers and civilians that, uh, that helped uh, complete the mission. Mike, whenever you write a book, you're going to have to call it the Leadership Laboratory. That is a great <laughs> name right there. I'll tell you that right now. And, you know, we love talking on this show about the experiences uh, or the gifts in a lot of ways that the military provides people for this transition and how it can apply. Uh, one of the things I noticed when reviewing your bio uh, was there was a tremendous amount of education on there. Um, and uh, so much, in fact, that I decided not to use it in the introduction and turn it into a, a question. So you do have extensive education that includes uh, the U U.S. Air Force Academy. You have a master's of science from Webster University. Another's master's degree in military arts and science from the U.S. Army Command and General Staff College, and a third master's in national resource strategy from the National Defense University. So the question begs itself, how important has that education been to your career post-military, and what advice do you have when it comes to education for our audience? Well, first of all, um, I, I do want to say that the, the military uh, paid for all of those degrees. And so that was, a, you know, just a fantastic, uh, you know, opportunity, starting with the, the Bachelor of Science degree at the Air Force Academy and then all of those other, other degrees, whether it was tuition assistance, uh, where they, uh, the military paid a good portion of the, the degree at Webster, or whether it was the actual um, in-person uh, professional military education, as well as getting, a, you know, an academic degree uh, from the Army Command and General Staff College and uh, the National Defense University. But I like to say that experience, uh, whether it be the experience that I talked about in the leadership laboratory or and or the the academic experience is something that it's in my virtual toolbox, if you will. And that's something that I carry around every day. And you can put a lot of stuff in a virtual box because it's not as heavy as carrying a big toolbox that you may see a construction person or, or, or an engineer carrying around. So you continue to fill your virtual toolbox with this experience, these credentials, um, and all of those those things, that education that you mentioned. And whether it was the the undergraduate degree in, uh, in basic science from the academy uh, to uh, management or um, <clears throat> the national resource strategy degree, all of those things uh, were uh, experience that I put in my virtual toolbox that yes, they did, did and do help me in my uh, my current position. I can rely, uh, reflect back on, uh, for example, my time at the Army Command and General Staff College where I took a leadership course um, there and um, we had to develop what we call a command philosophy. And I know Howie knows what this is, being a commander um, many times he's had to develop a command philosophy. That was new to me um, as, a, as a young major uh, in the Air Force and going to, to school with the uh, with the Army. And so I developed a command philosophy as a part of that course and I knew halfway through that course that I was actually going to go out and be a commander of a combat comm unit. Um, and so I took the time to develop that philosophy and uh, 
And I, I use that philosophy today. I mean, my philosophy is found in what I call the five F's. It's family, fitness, flying, fairness, and fun. Uh, so it's easy to remember. Uh, you know, you have a hand. You've got five fingers on your hand. It starts with the letter F. So it's family, fitness, flying, fairness, and fun. I still apply that philosophy in uh, what I do in the private sector. Uh, family is first. I mean, I always tell folks, you wake up with your family. You're going to be with your family for the rest of your life. So don't neglect your family. You don't want to be at your retirement ceremony and you're the only one there because you neglected your family. Right. Uh, flying equated to the mission of the Air Force. Um, that's what I was in. But <clears throat> I just apply that to the mission of the organization that I'm in. Um, and so whatever that, that mission is, you've got to, to execute that mission. Um, fitness. Uh, physical fitness and um, uh, spiritual fitness and mental fitness all are part of um, you know something that makes you uh, who you are today and physical fitness we had to uh, we had to do that in the military we had to maintain a certain standard but you also had to execute your spiritual and mental fitness to make sure that was in balance same thing I do in the private sector I make sure that my my spiritual and mental fitness is in balance along with my um, on my physical fitness. As a leader, it's important to be fair. Um, <clears throat> it affects good order and discipline. Um, and it affects good order and discipline in, a, in, in the private sector as well. You have to be, uh, be fair and you also have to be perceived as being fair. And then finally, fun. Incorporate fun into your activities. It's not all work and no play. And so I still like to do, do fun things. And so the point I'm making is, is that I learned that command you know, to make a command philosophy in one of those schools that I went to, the education that you talked about, and I apply that today still in the in the private sector. I think if you were to bump into anybody that was in any of my units uh, today, um, they would be able to tell you at least a, a few of those Fs, you know, that uh, that are Mike Black's, uh, you know, command philosophy, and, and it's worked for me. Mike, you've given some incredible um, nuggets of, of, of wisdom and, and experience and, and, and what you just shared uh, that I know our audience can take great um, uh, uh, momentum from as, as they start to prepare for their transition. As you know, the, the whole focus of this show is to actually help military veterans transition um, from the military into the civilian life. So if, as you look back on your, your military experiences, how has that helped you prepare for your own transition to civilian life? Maybe you can share some of that experience with us as well. No, absolutely, Howie. I think, um, you know, all of the experience that I garnered in the, in the military um, in some way or some fashion has, uh, has prepared me for, you know, for transition. Um, I like to use the uh, the uh, the coach uh, mentor uh, sponsor you know concept because that was what was uh, shared with me. I had a coach, I had a mentor, and I had a sponsor, and those those folks helped me along the way in my in my career. Those same coaches, mentors, and sponsors also were around when it was time for me to transition, um, and and in particular. Uh, <clears throat> Some of those folks, you know, had already transitioned, and so they were able to share uh, their experience transition from the military to to the private sector, and they were able to share their experience with me and to really shorten the learning curve. I mean, that's a cliche, but anytime you can shorten the learning curve for 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 somebody, um, it makes it easier for them to accomplish the the task, and they can do it in a shorter time, um, thereby having more time to garner more experience and and learn more things. And so, in particular, the, the leadership, uh, all the, the leadership opportunities and the training uh, that I was able to put in that virtual toolbox that I, I spoke of before, I was able to pull out that stuff, if you will, as I transitioned uh, in, into the military. And so, don't ever uh, you know, discount that experience that you get in the, in the military. We go through quite a bit of training, and I will tell you from my personal experience, Every bit of that training that I received over the years, I've been able to apply uh, either directly or indirectly um, in, the, in the private sector. And again, my, my coaches, my mentors, and my sponsors uh, helped me uh, with that transition. And I try to do the same. I try to return the favor to, 
to folks that are following me and shortening that learning curve uh, uh, for them. And in fact, I've even even hired folks that were part of my team in the past or helped people um, to get uh, different opportunities based upon you know my network and my connections. So, so Mike, it, it's interesting to me that you you relied on a mentor and 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 coach as you prepared for your transition. I'd be really interested in kind of digging into what have you done as a mentor, as a coach to others. What 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 based on lessons that you've learned, how have you have you then helped others to transition, and how have you mentored and coached them to to success? Well, one of the things I. Um... <clears throat> I, I do, and I'm still involved in, in uh, mentoring today. I'm actually a vice uh, vice chairman of the Air Force Cadet Officer Mentoring Association, which is tasked with mentoring uh, cadets and, and, and young officers uh, in, in the Air Force. And so I do have a passion for that because I've seen the, uh, the value of that. My father, who is a retired Signal Corps colonel as, as, well as, uh, as well, I've learned a lot from his time uh, and his experience. I have a son who's in in the Space Force, um, actually, you know, commissioned into the Air Force and then cross commissioned into the Space Force. And so you can say I have skin in the game. Um, and so I'm, uh, you know, very much uh, uh, involved in, in that because uh, I want to be able to uh, to share those experiences, not only with my son, uh, but with, with his peers and and, uh, and and that kind of thing. And so, you know, when you're passionate about something, uh, you um, <clears throat> You know, you give you give it a, your all. You put a lot into it, and um, <clears throat> my mentors did that that did that for me, and I want to do that for for folks that that follow. And again, I circle back to if I can teach somebody something uh, that took me 20 years to learn, and I can teach them in 10 years, then that's 10 more years that they have to to learn other things and to put in their their virtual toolbox that we talked about uh, before that you can continue to stuff things in. And again, since it's it's virtual, it, you're not carrying it around, so just load it up. Um, we're always gonna have uh, you know more more memory and more space out there. I mean, uh, you know, the thumb drives that, uh, that we had in the past were uh, you know, just a, a, a few megabytes and now we're you know, multi gigs. And so you can put a lot of stuff in your virtual toolbox and just load it up and be able to recall it and uh, and use it uh you know for opportunities and and that's what i do i mean that's what i did in the in the military and i apply that same principle in the in the private sector as uh, as folks are transitioning and i, I can help so mike I, i'd like to actually dig more specifically into your personal transition as you move to uh to um the chief operating officer positions that you've held uh, in the in the three different companies that that you uh, have experience working in, um, like I know, for example, when I transitioned out of the military and went to work for a government contractor, um, I had some challenges and uh, some things that did not go well for me right up front um, because I was in an area and in an environment that I didn't really understand because I didn't have any experience or training in that area. And I'm specifically talking about how to manage a business. Um, I'd be interested in, in hearing from you, and I think our audience would glean a lot of uh, 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 benefit from what went well in your transition and what are some things maybe that didn't go so well that our audience can learn from? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is, uh, you know, transitioning from the, from the military to the private sector is, uh, <clears throat> especially if you're in a, um, a working in a for-profit organization, and I imagine it's probably the same in the in a nonprofit. You have a you know a budget, a finite amount of uh, resource uh, that you're responsible for. And I and you ask you know well what went well and what didn't go well. I can remember you know making one of the first dis- decisions that I made as a chief operating officer in the first company that I was in. And my uh, my my CEO asked me you know well what about the business you know what about the the company and he and it didn't come across that nice. I mean, he kind of raised his voice and, and put some modifiers on, on, on that. And, uh, and what I had to think about was, you know, okay, from a, a revenue standpoint or a financial standpoint or profit standpoint, how does this affect the business? Um, and, and that was eye opening because, uh, you know, in the military, um, 
I mean, I had a budget that I was responsible for, and we knew how to, uh, you know, to operate within that budget and to request more money. But it wasn't so much about profit and revenue as it is in the private sector, and and uh, and the decisions that you make as a leader in an organization in the private sector, at least in my experience, you have to be uh, concerned about you know the effect on the bottom line, um, and the the bottom line is uh, you know is revenue and and profit, and so. I learned, I was glad I learned that lesson early on, um, that uh, to, to, to think and incorporate the impact on the bottom line or the, imp, the financial impact on the, on the company of decisions that you, you make. And so that was something that uh, really sticks out as far as, you know, the transition and, and having to learn that. And at least for me, I didn't get so much of that kind of experience in the in the military because we we weren't really you know managing from the the revenue standpoint yes we were good stewards of the of the, the taxpayers money um and uh you know managing our projects and that that kind of thing but we weren't necessarily in the business of of making money we had to do things efficiently but in the private sector it's all about the the bottom line, and and so I learned to uh, really incorporate the impact on the bottom line in the in the decisions that I I made, and that's something that has stuck with me, you know, for the you know nine years now, of, uh, you know, since I retired. Mike, another quick uh, drop in on that. You know, uh, my wife served in the Air Force, and one of the things I remember about mostly observing as a spouse um, from the, you know, during our time in the military and post was when we were in the service, when she was in the service, very clear focus on the team, very f- clear focus on the mission, the goal. Like, even, even as a spouse, I knew what it was. Um, and, you know, when we left the service, I remember having a conversation with her that, you know, I think when you get, <laughs> when you get to some of these other places, that's not going to be so clear, um, and that the teamwork will be based on other things. And like you, you know, you just said with the bottom line being that, um, I found when she transitioned out that it was very jarring to not have the support of a really well, high functioning team. Um, and and to her credit, she built that. I mean, that, that's the way my wife is. But I wanted to know if if you uh, ran into any of that. And if so, how did you, uh, you know, put together a team uh, with wherever you were that could emulate the success you had in the military? Uh, that's a great question um, and statement, Lee. Um, you know, uh, team is um, is a very important word uh, uh, to me, um, and it is a, a huge part of the success that I had in the, in the military. If I think back of all the times that. Uh, the units that I commanded or that I led, um, it wasn't me. It was my team that uh, that did the work. And that team, um, you can equate that to, um, you know, the first F. And uh, as I talked about my five Fs, the family. I mean, you have your family that you mentioned, but you also have your extended family. You also have your team, your unit, and your organization, um, and, and that, that kind of thing. And so um, <clears throat> that's something that I believe definitely carries over in the in the private sector as far as a you know a good success story or a good uh, teaching point if you if you will um, and so I did you know carry that over is to try to formulate a team wherever I was at so that my my team understood the mission they understood my uh, you know who I was you know my personality my leadership style my command philosophy I understood theirs I understood what was going on in their in their life, um, and both personally and professionally, is it, uh, what they were willing to share. Um, but I think that's that's important uh, to have a to to get a high functioning uh, team. Is to you know people want to feel that they are um, that that you care about them. They want to know that they are appreciated, um, and uh, you know that's that's simple communication. Sometimes just a pat on the back. Um, obviously, sometimes rewarding uh, recognition for for awards, and we we can reward people in in different ways. You know, in the private sector, uh, sometimes there's uh, you know uh, bonuses uh, for uh, for that uh, for for a person's involvement. But sometimes people just need a you know simple hey job well done 
Johnny, Susan, Mike, Lee, Howie, you, you did a great job in, in, in doing this and letting folks know that, uh, that they are appreciated. Um, you'll, you'll end up getting, you know, a lot more out of, out of folks. Folks are going to work hard when they feel, feel appreciated and they feel like they're a part of the team. And I found that true, uh, to be, you know, not only in the military, but in, in the private sector. And so that's something that I've, I've been able to, to carry over and, and what I've seen and what I've experienced in talking to peers and, and other folks, um, that is something that, uh, that definitely the, the private sector, uh, appreciates, uh, about the military is, uh, you know, kind of that unit and taking care of that, that team. And it's, it's important. And sometimes it's a, it's a new concept for folks that, that have not been associated right. with it and hadn't practiced it. Um, but then once they see the benefits of that, um, and, and again, I, you know, you heard me talk about the bottom line, but anything you do that can affect the bottom line, especially positively, uh, your, you know, your leadership, your organization is going to appreciate that. And, and you can see uh, by taking care of the team and having that team concept, it does have an impact on, on the bottom line. Um, right. And, and, you know, I, I can tell you as a business owner that uh, bottom line is very important. But I think, you know, we have we have business owners that listen to this show and, you know, we like to give them advice, too. And when I consult business owners, I tell them a few things about the military. I reference the military all the time because I say this is the best team on the planet Earth. And I said, if you want to learn about teamwork, go to the source, you know, go to the source because it clearly works for them. Um, And I love sharing stories about that. But one of the things, uh, you know, for the business owners listening to this that you're, you're totally emulating right now is that, you know, Teamwork might not have a figure that goes with it, a number that goes with it of, oh, you'll make this much money if you do teamwork. But there is an absorbent amount of evidence <laughs> that if you have a great team, it improves your business. Uh, and, I, and I wish more companies weren't afraid to take that step to really study team dynamics and high functioning teams and the importance of those teams to success because there is no short or long term success without it. So, Howie, I know you have another question. Sorry, I just wanted to make sure I made that comment because um, I mean, you're speaking right to my soul right now. <laughs> you know, no, I, sure I, I think these are really, really Im- important um, um, pieces of information that are coming out. And I, and I appreciate your, your bringing that out, Lee, because look, I'm, I'm, you, and you know me, we, we, we've worked together a long time now. And, and um, I think the three of us feel very strongly that to have a successful organization, it, uh, you, you are so reliant on, on a highly effective team and, and anything you right. can do as a leader to foster um, the effectiveness of that team, it'll make your organization better. Mike, what I'd like to do is, is again, kind of go back to your transition. Now that you've, you've, you've been through three, you know, well, actually four transitions, from the, one from the military to the civilian world, then you've transitioned to three different companies. Um, as you look back on, the, on that transition experience, anything that you would do, knowing what you know now, anything that you would do differently, you know, I think, again, our audience could benefit from, from, from the experience that you've had going through these multiple transitions now. Yeah, um, I think um, I was pretty methodical in my, you know, my transition, my initial transition from the military. I basically you know, said, hey, do I want to go government or do I want to go private sector? And then I, once I said I'm going to go private sector, then I said, well, do I want to go for-profit or non-profit? And then once I said I was going to go profit, I decided, do I want to go large business or medium-sized or small business? And I I made the choice to go small business because of uh, just the impact that you could have on the organization. Um, and I always knew that I could go back and do government if I wanted to later on, or maybe go back and do, um, you know, medium or large business later on if if this isn't what I wanted to, wanted to do. I think, um, you know, I guess really one of the the, the main things that I would consider, uh, you know, looking at is, and this is what I share with with folks when when I'm transitioning now, is that that first point that I made about understanding the impact on on revenue and the decisions that you made. And so kind of opening up your aperture when you're making decisions um, in the in the private sector to to understand, um, you know, the impact of your decision and how that's going to affect the organization and not just, you know, operations. I mean, I was good at, 
at operations in the in the military, and you know, and and was fortunate enough to command at at uh, the squadron all the way to the wing command equivalent level because my team, uh, you know, executed the operations and we performed uh, before performed well uh, to to do that. But that not having uh, the 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 practice of uh, making decisions that affect the bottom line or even thinking about the impact on revenue or, or profit uh, I think particularly if somebody's going to go into a uh, you know a, a leadership position a director or a vice president or a C level uh, position within an organization I think you really need to uh, be become familiar with uh, you know the impact on the the organization the bottom line that's what's important you know in the military it's mission right we got to get this job done we got to get this this mission done so we know what the end state is is a successful mission um, in many instances in the in the private sector it is you know revenue and profit you know uh, people are not going to continue operating a business if it's uh, if it's not profitable um, and so you have to, to understand you know understand that so that's something that I I do share with folks um, and and kind of wish that I had uh, thought about that a little bit more um, as I as I transition or been exposed to it and so I'm making sure that I'm I'm sharing that with with people and, and trying to understand more about business um, uh, so that I can share that with with people yeah Mike you, you it's interesting the the decision making process that you went through is almost exactly the same decision making process process that I went through. So what I, what I would like you to do is if you could just um, say again the, the, the different the four or five different questions that you asked yourself, because I think our, our audience could really benefit from that, because um, uh, I think that is that is a real important um, decision making uh, effort that our, our, our audience has to go through as they consider what they want to do after they transition out of the military. If you could just yeah. kind of highlight those questions again, I think that would be great. Yeah. No, absolutely. So, you know, coming out of the, the White House Communications Agency, um, you know, being a military officer, I'm, you know, I'm at the government, you know, level. And so for me, my transition was, okay, am I going to stick around in the government in some capacity or am I going to go to the, to the private sector? And, you know, government could have been, um, you know, GS or SES level or, you know, appointment type uh, opportunities, you know, political appointees and you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, that's the, uh, you know, the first decision um, tree, if you will, is government or private sector. I made the decision to go to the private sector. I thought maybe I could come back to the government if I wanted to do that later on. So here I'm at the private sector. And then the private sector, I'm thinking, is it going to be for profit or is it going to be non-profit? or not for profit as some people say and, and some will say maybe even those are are different um, but you know making money um, as a as a as a company or or have some kind of non-profit uh, type opportunity I chose to go in the for-profit and once I made that decision basically I could look at you know a small medium or large you know, large company and I not, didn't get so much caught up in the the dollar value, if you will, of a of a of a company, but uh, you know, large corporations we can name you know many uh, many of those. I mean, they're they're the biggies, the you know the Booz Allen's, the the Verizon's, the AT and T's, SAICs, um, and many other you know large type organizations. But small business, um, you know, anywhere from you know five ten people to you know a couple hundred in my mind is is, is small business, and maybe even maybe even a little bit more can be. Be small, but I thought you know I could have the greatest impact on the mission of that organization in a smaller organization than in a in a larger. And that didn't mean that I I didn't want to or didn't like uh, the large organization. I just felt like you know here's a, a small organization with a defined mission, um, and I felt like I could have a great impact on that and and help build that team that uh, that that Lee talked about earlier. And so then. Um, I, I, once I chose small, I, I also knew that I wanted to be in a leadership position within that because of my passion for, for leadership. And that's what I've been trained to do. That's that laboratory that I've been in 
um, you know, for 30 years. And so once I got down to that small business, I also, you know, further said that I wanted to be in a leadership position. And, and for me, I chose to be in a C-level position within an organization. And um, my operations background, the mission, uh, achieving the mission is what drove me to, to, uh, to operations. So that was kind of the decision tree to get all the way down to small business, C-level within a small business. That's great. Um, and I, again, I think our audience could benefit tremendously from taking themselves through that same Absolutely. kind of decision-making process. Um, Mike, what I'd like to kind of move to now is now that you've, you've, you're out of the military, you've been accepted into a company, into an organization, how did that organization, how well did they receive you as a military veteran? What did they do well or what do you think they could have done better to make you feel more welcome as a veteran into their organization? Because I know that a large part of our organization are actually companies and, and, and organizations out there that, that hire military veterans. So what I'm looking for is what advice or guidance or perspective can we give to them to, to make that transition for the military member smoother into their organization? Yeah, um, you, know, for, uh, you know, for organizations that are, that are looking to, <clears throat> to hire uh, military or transition uh, military folks, so I, would, I would first foot stomp that, uh, you know, uh, maybe using a double negative, but don't discount their experience. Uh, that they have, and even if the jargon is uh, something that you don't understand, um, you know, dig deep into that and find out what that that person did. But you know, generally speaking, um, people understand. Uh, you know, a project manager, uh, a project manager a professional, PMP. Well, I mean, that's what we did in the military. We managed a lot of projects, a lot of programs. Uh, sometimes really big programs, and so <clears throat> that kind of stuff is directly translated, translatable, if that's a word, into uh, the the private sector, um, and and look at and see when uh, people have done that kind of thing. If they've managed projects or or programs, um, then they're probably going to be able to do that kind of thing in your organization, and then then it's a matter of just translating, you know what you've done as a military person uh, to the language that, that uh, a potential uh, hiring organization or company can, can understand. And that also means, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, <clears throat> you know, giving your resume to, to somebody um, that's already out there uh, so that they can help you uh, translate, you know, what you've done in the, in the military to, right. uh, to the private sector. And I think you, you, you probably see um, resumes today will, <clears throat> or they would have a title, um, you know, as a as a commander at a certain level, and maybe they'll put, you know, same as a vice president or same as a director, or something that that translates into the private sector that people will will understand. Um, but <clears throat> don't discount that uh, that experience, that education that you talked about. Those. Uh, those, uh, those training sessions along the way. I mean, I can think of many things that I've done that's not necessarily on my, my resume that, that directly translate in the, uh, in the ability to, uh, to be successful, you know, in the, in the private sector, whether it's uh, survival training that I, that I went through, um, <clears throat> you know, simulated uh, prisoner of war camp, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. I mean, it, it teaches you stuff about yourself as an individual but uh, think about that. Think about that kind of training um, that a military person has, has gone through. They can adapt to many things, you know, and, and Howie, I know you'll understand this. I mean, we have, uh, you know, that acronym of uh, PACE, you know, primary, alternate, contingency, and emergency. Um, that's what we did for communications. I mean, that's what we did at, at White House Com is it you know, we had to be reliable all the time. But that acronym... Uh, you know, applies in the private sector. It's not just with communications. I mean, you have to have a primary means. You have to have an alternate means. You have to have a contingency means, and you have to have an emergency means. Military folks have been doing that, uh, you know, throughout their career. 
and um, and they can ad adapt and adjust fire, if you will, uh, in the in the private sector. And so I think those things are extremely important. And so as you're talking to uh, to a military person, kind of dig into um, their experiences and know that a lot of that stuff does does apply. But you're going to get a well-rounded uh, individual who can adapt, who's innovative and creative, um, and who is you know solution-based, um, solution-based or solution-oriented in uh, you know achieving the the objective. And so those are things that I want to make sure that. Uh, as folks are transitioning and hiring those folks, that they, they pull those things out of, uh, of a person's resume or, you know, in the conversation uh, with, with folks or when they're checking their references, you know, and talk to, to people. And I try to, to do that. I've been a reference for folks, and I try to uh, put it in language that, uh, that the company or organization can understand um, and give them examples of, uh, you know, the success that, uh, that folks have uh, been a part of. Mike, to, to share an example of what you're talking about um, from the other side, right, from the business owner side, um, you know, I, I have a veteran that works for me and, um, you know, he, he has a specific task. And I remember when he came in, you know, I, I had an idea of how I wanted to operate, um, but kind of practicing what you just are preaching. You know, I said, well, let me see what, what his experience has to add to this, right? Because I know when he was in the military, he had to do a lot of the experience needed to do this job. So I said, well, what do you think? How would you like to operate this? No, knowing that I have the final say, of course. Man, I'm so glad I asked that because he came up with processes and efficiency uh, and he, he got it working to a level I never would have been able to do. Um, and, you know, when I asked him, like, where did you learn all this? The obvious answer was the military. Right. Um, but we had another guest on the show that said the same thing is, is make sure that you're volunteering, obviously, in an interview what you've done. But for employers out there, Ask, ask, what did you do in the service? Because there's guaranteed experience there uh, at minimum teamwork. But, right. but uh, you know, it, it gets macro to, I mean, it's amazing the experiences that he's been able to bring to my company. Um, you know, I, I work in, in sports and I work in business a lot. And it's funny, I have this saying in sports that applies to business that good coaches know a lot, but great coaches know they don't know anything. Um, and it's the same thing with leadership, right? Like good leaders know everything, right, right. <laughs> but great leaders don't, you know, you know, you don't know, you're always learning. Um, and that shared experience that he brought has been invaluable to the efficiency of our company. Um, and I tell him that I, that's the other thing too, going back to the teamwork. I tell him that like, thank goodness we, we had this conversation. Um, you know, one final question for me, Mike, is that, um, uh, we talked before again about teamwork and, you mentioned some of just the easy ways to, to get people to feel just pat on the back and you're doing a good job. Things that are really done probably a lot less than people realize. Um, one of the things that I think organizations, this is for-profit, non-profit, and everything in between, that they, they don't put enough time on is creating a vision or a mission. All right, so the equivalent of this, just to kind of create the landscape. Like when I go to a sports team and I say, well, what are we doing here? Well, we want to win, coach. Yeah, everyone, everyone wants to win, right? That, that's not, that's a goal, <laughs> All right. you know, but that's not our vision. Like, why do you want to win? When it's a business, well, what do we want to do here? We want to make money. We want the bottom line, right? That's what you hear a lot. Well, that's great. Every business wants to make money, right? But why? Who are you? So I just want you to comment uh, on how important it is for for-profit, non-profit to have a clearly defined vision and mission something tangible that people want to be a part of and how important it is that you, you inspire them to grab, you know, sink their teeth into it. Because uh, in every, every organization, team, anything I've worked with that's had that, success is exponentially achieved. Yeah. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Well, I, uh, you must have read my mind and, and, and must know what I'm, I'm actually looking at right now. So I'm in my office and I right in front of me is my vision board. Um, and it's a board that I created, um, you know, second week of January this year for, for 2021. Um, um, and that, I just basically cut out different pictures out of magazines and, and sayings and quotes and all of that kind of stuff and put it on my, my vision board. And um, I think, you know, looking at that vision board every single day, um, you know, I, I know what I want to focus on. It's got my personal, my professional, 
uh, you know, vision, you know, on there and the things that are important to me and things that are, you know, that's, that are going to make me successful. Uh, but you hit on a key word about vision um, and sharing your vision, you know, with your team and so that they, um, they, they feel a part of it and they can see, but, but not only sharing it with them, but showing them where they fit in the right. vision or even better yet, putting something on your vision board that includes them or their their vision and where they can see that that's part of uh, you know where the company is is going and you kind of see where do you fit in um, you know in that um, and and also within the within within companies if uh, if there's a professional development um, type of um, you know ladder or uh, a growth within there uh, show the the folks where they you know where they can go and where they where they can can achieve. I mean, there's there's several success stories out there of the people starting, you know, you know, at a low level uh, within a company, and that's relative. But uh, you know, at a at a lower level within a, within a company and rising up to uh, you know to running the company one day or being a senior uh, uh, vice president or executive vice president and that kind of thing. But I think uh, when people can see. Uh, within that vision and see their growth and see where they they fit in that also you know causes them to um, you know to, to work harder and, and to perform uh, because they feel like they're they're a part they feel like they're included you know in in that and so right. you know, I'm looking at my my vision board right now and right in the center it's it says our, our strength is our people um, and I truly believe that and I have stuff on my board about mentorship about leadership, about the state of America today, about being fit, you know, and eating healthy and taking care of your body and grasping the opportunity and diversity of talent and um, <clears throat> you're your most powerful advocate, uh, the making of an MVP, um, you know, all that badass woman. Um, I've got a badass woman quote on there because there's there's some badass women in my, in my life. I hope I'm okay with saying that. But uh, oh, you are. Look, I know one too. You're fine. Uh, Don't worry. <laughs> uh, purpose driven life. I've got a, a, a cut out of that book. Um, I read that book every day as part of my yoga. Uh, but I, I'm I'm probably getting a little bit deeper into that. But it's just ironically, prophetically, that you asked me about vision. And I'm looking at my vision board right now, and, and that applies to an organization, right, to have a, a vision of where, you're, where you want to go and also how you're going to get there. And then, as you said, Lee, asking <clears throat> the part of your team to, to contribute. And, <clears throat> you know, for me, sometimes you'll be amazed at what people come up with and, and what, they, what, they, what they do. And I, I think it's important to, uh, to understand everybody's vantage point my vantage point is different than yours how is is different than mine um and so you know i've written a leadership article on and you know, on blind spots um and just you know being able to just kind of see within you know your your area but if somebody else is is over here or over here they have a different vantage point and they can see some things that you can't see and maybe their their spots uh what they see is you know, focused in on your blind spot. And so you get that input uh, to be able to, to, to do things. And I think that that's so great, uh, you know, what you did with that individual uh, with, you know, part of your team. And then their productivity is going to gonna go up. They're going to be, they're going to feel value added. But, but I think it's important to, uh, to share that vision. Well, I appreciate you sharing your vision. Uh, that, yeah. you know, look, there is no too much information on this show. I, you know, hopefully the people <laughs> listening to it. I think the fact that you have a vision board says a lot in itself, right? That that's the way you run things right now. So that's awesome. Thanks for sharing. How I didn't know if you had any more questions. No, actually, uh, I, I don't. Mike, you've been incredibly um, generous with your time, with your experience. Uh, I know there's a ton of things that our audience can glean from from listening to this uh, to this podcast, and I just want to thank you again for for taking the time to to speak with Lee and me, and and more importantly, share your nuggets of information, your your perspective, your experiences with our audience, because I know they can definitely benefit from them if they uh, if they take them to heart. So thanks again for being a part of this, Mike. I really want to thank you a bunch. Yeah, it was my honor, um, you know, and I. <clears throat> I, I'm glad that you asked me to uh, to participate, um, and I, I love your 
you know, your your title of crossing the LD or uh, line of departure. Obviously, that resonates with uh, with me uh, being in the you know in the military and in particular, um, you know, having a father who was in the army and and all and all of that kind of stuff. And so that terminology, <clears throat> you know, I'm I'm familiar with. You know, my dad served two tours in Vietnam, and so I understand you know the the line of departure and and all of that. And and that's a good way of teaching things. I mean, people can understand when you can give an analogy or a metaphor. Uh, about something it 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 helps with remembering and and understanding the the concept and and you know as we're talking about folks that transition um you know military uh <clears throat> you know in today's military anybody that served you know in the last 20 or 30 years they 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 understand they know about the you know uh the line of departure for desert storm or for any other operation um and they were a part of that and uh and even if you weren't directly a part of that, you knew what troops were doing when they crossed that line of departure. Um, and so it, it resonates with, uh, you know, the transition from the, the, the military. I see that correlation. And I, uh, I, when, you, when you share that with me, I was like, wow, that's, that's very creative. And, you know, it, it helps with learning. And so I like what you're doing, and I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it. So I wanted to, you know, thank you, Howie. Thank you, Lee, and and Ben behind the scenes at uh, making things happen. I, I'm honored to be a part of it. Well, we appreciate oh, thanks, your Mike. being a part yeah. of it. Th thanks so much, Mike. Yeah, like like any team, it doesn't work without the guests, which are part of the team members. And now you're in the eternal fraternity of the crossing the LD team. Yeah. So, I uh, I'm going to close it out there. Uh, as you said, Mike, you've been listening to Crossing the LD, which is powered by. The nonprofit Pivotal Moments. You can learn more about the organization at pivotalmoments.org uh, for more inspirational content, education, uh, or if you want to donate. So, for Howie Cohen, I'm Lee Elias. Thanks so much for joining us and make sure to keep an eye out for more episodes soon wherever podcasts can be heard. Thanks so much for listening and we will see you next time. Have a great day, everyone. Mm -hmm.